Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to church. Uh, we're so glad that you're here this morning. You've chosen to to join us online. It's so fun. May long weekend. It's kind of like the kickoff to summer, right? It's just, it's so exciting. May long weekend. The last time we had a weekend off was all the way back in April. Easter, right? Wow. Hasn't been that long. Hey, uh, welcome to church this morning. Go ahead. Keep writing in the chat. Tell us where you're watching from. We think it's remarkable the reach that not only uh, our church has, but the church globally around the world today is meeting together around the world. How incredible is that, um, that you're a part of not only just a local movement, but a global movement. Uh, the church is more than just what we are. Uh, it's, it's, it's more than just me. It's more than just you. Uh, it's our brothers and sisters all around the world. And, you know, uh, as we watch in the comfort of our own home or in this beautiful office, I'm aware that there's many churches around the world uh, today that are not able to meet. Um, they don't have the privilege that we have. And uh, so can we just be thankful today? Uh, although we're navigating challenges as a church with our venue menu and all that, how great is it to be in church this morning? No matter where you're joining from, no matter where you're watching from, it's so good to be in church. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Matt. I'm one of the other Matts. You just met the other Matt. We're the welcome Matts. And uh, we want to welcome you to church this morning. But my name is Matt. Uh, I'm a, a privilege to be a part of this church now since the, we launched. And uh, it's been remarkable to see what God has done and, and, and all that. And I just really believe that um, we wouldn't be where we are today without God's grace, but with also, also without our amazing pastoral leadership. Uh, so Pastor Matt, you just met him, amazing, remarkable uh, human, but also pastor, him and his wife, Emily, and uh, Pastor Mike and Nancy, um, we love them so much. We wouldn't be where we are today. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for their leadership. Um, so we honor them today. Um, I want to welcome you, uh, if you're joining for your first time watching online, uh, it's really, really, really great to have you. So I hope that you feel welcome and uh, I just want to say this, too, before we get started. Um, if you haven't turned, tuned into church before, or maybe you have, uh, it's okay to have questions. I just want to say that right off the top. Uh, it's okay to just not take everything at face value. Um, I think sometimes Christians get a little insecure. Oh, no, people are asking questions. They're going to find out answers. No, we encourage that. Uh, Christianity is curiosity, and uh, we believe the more curious you are, uh, the more God will meet you. Um, so ask your questions. It's okay. Find somebody you trust. Send us a message on Instagram. We'll be happy to answer your questions. We're not trying to hide anything. Um, it's okay to have questions. It's okay to not understand. Um, God is bigger than your questions, right? And so I just wanted to, to start off the top with saying that. Um, the scripture this morning is in John 8, uh, verse 1 to 5. John chapter 8, verse 1 to 5. It says this, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd had soon gathered as, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. 
what do you say? The law says, but what do you say? Um, if you're taking notes, the title of my message this morning is Question and Answer, or Q&A, Question and Answer. God, thanks so much for your word. God, thanks that we can gather uh, across our city, across this nation, across the world today and honor you. Uh, we believe it's holy to be in church. We believe that it's that it, the church of God is not just a man-made idea, but it came from heaven. So we thank you, God, for that. And your word says where two or more are gathered, there you are among us. So we expect your spirit to flow into every bedroom, every living room, God, every car, every, every everywhere where your church is and the gospel is being preached today. God, may, you, may your spirit flow freely through us. We love you today, God. We honor your word. God, you, you said signs and wonders will follow the preaching of your word. So God, we don't need to twist your arm into performing miracles. We don't need to try and convince you that your word is true. We have faith today to believe that you are who you say you are. So God, we thank you, Lord. We love you. We honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, I'm 33 years old. Yes, I know. I actually had to do the math today. I'm at that point of my age where I take my birth year, I take the current year and I minus my birth year and I find out how old I am because I can't remember. Um, but I'm 33. And I've got this social issue, I think, probably a little bit before COVID it started happening, where I don't really like meetings. Is that okay to say? I don't really like meetings. In fact, if a meeting goes on and... Uh, I can't really find the purpose of the meeting. I always have to ask this question to myself. If we could have emailed this, what's the point of a meeting? Um, nobody wants to sit through a meeting, at least I don't. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a remote employee. I don't know what it is, but you know, I'm tired of Zoom. I'm tired of Google Hangouts. I'm tired of FaceTime. You know, it just... I just, I don't really like meetings all that much, if I can be honest. But particularly, I don't like the towards the end of meetings when the organizer asks the daunting question, okay, are there any questions? Now that moment, if you're like me, is the worst part of the meeting because we've already been in the meeting for 30, 45, 60 minutes. And now the organizer is asking people for questions. Now, I don't know what it's like where you work. I don't know what your circles are like. But there's a lot of people that really love question time. And they'll go in and they'll double the length of the meeting with a whole bunch of questions. And I don't know, maybe it's just, it's just my personality. I have no idea. But as soon as the questions start, something in my heart sinks. Like, come on, this meeting could have been over. But no, you have to prove that you are paying attention. Okay, here we go. More questions, more questions, more questions. And for some reason, I don't know why, it just really it gets under my skin. Mostly because I don't really want to be in the meeting anyway. And this meeting is just getting even longer. So thank God for th that there's no questions during our church services because they would just go on forever. However, we have created something as humans, which I can appreciate, called question and answer time, right? So we had a panel just recently with Mother's Day, and we had all these amazing moms on the stage, and they were talking about what it's like in real life for them as moms, and it was impactful and amazing because during question and answer time, you get to see 
real life, how things are practically lived out. So I appreciate question and answer time. And if I can be honest, some of the best parts of the Bible for me personally, some of my favorite parts are the question and answer times that Jesus hosts. Um, there's so many of them that you can find in the Gospels. Uh, and throughout the Gospels, you hear so many questions asked by different people. Some of them are, hey, Jesus, uh, are we allowed to heal on the Sabbath? Uh, and, and he would give an answer to that. Hey, how about, how about this, Jesus? Are, are we supposed to pay our taxes? You know, they asked him that question. And then they asked him some complicated doctrinal marital question about if someone dies and they're married and they don't have kids and it was complicated and Jesus gave them an answer to that question. And then one of my, really, one of my favorite questions that was asked was when they said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. I'm thankful for those questions. And as you read the New Testament, I become more and more thankful for the Pharisees. Because we have questions documented in Scripture because these guys loved questions. And some of the greatest questions and greatest responses we quote as Christians are in response to, to the questions from the Pharisees. But one of my favorite questions that has ever been asked comes from John 8. And it's the, it's the final verse we read in verse 5 where it says, The law says this, but what do you say? The law says, what do you say? You know, if you know the story well, if you know your Bible, you'll know this moment was so impactful. And you can't help but read this. And for me, I get lost in the story. I get lost in the emotion of it. Because I picture this story. See, Jesus is teaching. He's at church. And as soon as Jesus started teaching, the Bible makes it clear. As soon as he stopped and started teaching, crowds just followed. So he didn't have to send out his sermon times. He didn't have to have a venue menu. Wherever he started preaching, people just showed up. So here he is at the temple. He starts preaching. The room gets filled with people. And as he's preaching, people, the, the religious uh, leaders, the Pharisees, they bring a woman in, it says, caught in the act of adultery. So I don't know if she has any clothes on. She might not. She might have a bed sheet wrapped around her. I don't know. But they throw her at the feet of Jesus as he's teaching. Now, that's a crazy service right there. I've been in some crazy church services. That one would have been wild. That would top it off. And here Jesus is teaching. And they interrupt him. And they say, they ask this question. The law says that she, she's caught in adultery. The law says that we should stone her, but what do you say? You know, I can picture this in my mind as this crazy moment of interruption. And for me, as uh, a person in the crowd, I'd be loving this because, you know, it's entertainment, free entertainment at church. Uh, but I realized that this moment is so messed up, it's so ridiculous, and I like paying attention to what Jesus did. So he's teaching, the woman gets thrown at his feet, they ask him, what do you say that we do? And he just bends down in the dirt and starts writing with his finger. 
Now, the Bible makes a lot of things clear. Uh, there's a lot of detail throughout the whole Bible. Sometimes it's over-detailed, and you're reading through your Bible plan, and you read a verse, and you glaze over it, and then you get convicted and read it again, looking at you, Leviticus, it's so hard to get through all this detail. But for some reason, the author of John didn't write in detail what Jesus was writing on the ground. It's kind of annoying. So thinking of all the detail in the whole Bible, really, we couldn't get what Jesus was writing on the ground. Now, some people say that he started writing the sins of the crowd on the ground. Some people say that he was writing uh, the sin of the Pharisees and the religious leaders on the ground. Um, I choose to believe he was kind of just drawing a self-portrait. I don't know why. I just feel like that would be so awesome. You know, he's just down there drawing a picture of himself. Uh, but this part bothers me because there doesn't seem to be any justice. It's like this woman's thrown at his feet and Jesus just starts writing in the dirt. And after a while, they keep asking him, the law says this, Jesus, but what do you say? The law says this, but what do you say? And he stands up and he looks at them. And in verse 7, he says, all right. But let he who has never sinned throw the first stone. As if to say, you're right. The law does say that. And for me, I kind of struggle. I don't know if it's like lately or maybe over the past couple of years, but the law has become this taboo word in church. I don't know why. You know, we've got this law versus grace thing. I get it. But the law didn't come from man. The law came from God. The law was holy. The law was righteous. The law was right. The law was straight from the throne of God. So when they say the law says we should stone her, what do you say? Jesus is acknowledging, yes, that is the law. That is good. That is holy. That is God's best for this moment. But what does he say? He says, well, not only does she deserve death, let he who has never sinned throw the first stone. Not only does she deserve death, you all deserve death. Because nobody could throw the stone except for Jesus. He's the only one without sin. So here's this woman down on the ground. She has no idea what's happening. The Pharisees say she deserves to be put to death. Jesus says, yeah, you're right. So whoever hasn't sinned, throw the first stone. He gets down and keeps writing in the dirt. Now, the woman still thinks that it's her death day because Jesus didn't say they were wrong. So the woman's still down in the dirt. She's thinking at any moment a stone's going to come hurtling across the room and hit her. She doesn't know if anyone in that room has been without sin. She has no idea. So here she is at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus continues writing in the dirt. Now, there's something that sticks out to me in this verse above everything else. There's two things. The first one is this. Verse 9 says, as Jesus laid down some perspective for them all, verse 9 says, they started leaving beginning with the oldest. Beginning with the oldest. As I was thinking about it this week, I was aware of this simple truth. It doesn't matter how you get to Jesus, but when you get to him, there will be 
thousands of accusations that come into your mind. I don't know if, if maybe you've been trying to follow Jesus. Maybe you find it really difficult, like some of us. Maybe um, you, you came on Sunday and you said a prayer and you just, you get filled with doubt and regret and condemnation. But I want to remind you, verse 9 says something so incredible. That once Jesus dismisses the accusers, the first one to leave was the oldest one. I want to let you know this morning, I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know if you're feeling full of fear and full of doubt. But once once you come to Jesus, he dismisses all your accusers, beginning with the oldest one, the oldest one, the one that reminds you of your sin from 10 or 15 or 30 years ago. Jesus, in a moment, can dismiss that accuser from you. You don't need to live with your regrets from 10, 20, 30, 40 years Years ago, in a moment, the accuser, beginning with the oldest, begins to walk out of the room. And from the oldest regret to the most recent regret, the room is cleared. And now Jesus continues to write in the dirt. He stands. He looks around. He looks at the woman. She's still expecting to be put to death because she doesn't have any reason to believe otherwise. And Jesus looks at her and says, where are your accusers? Did not even one condemn you? She said, no, Lord. And he said, nor do I. Go and sin no more. I love this story so much because it shows us exactly what law and grace do in a marriage together with Jesus. Jesus is the walking law. He's walking grace. He came to fulfill the law. He came to add some perspective to the law. But I love this story because we get to see the heart of God in real time. It's like a Q&A at church. We get to see what grace and law means lived out in real life. We get to see what it's, how you're supposed to treat people, how you're supposed to love people in their sin, how you're supposed to approach the gospel, what you're supposed to do in this moment. All because the Pharisees, love them or hate them, had a question. The law says this, but what do you say? What do you say? See, the Pharisees, they were passionate, devoted followers of God. That day, they asked one of the most important questions that the Bible has documented today. I can't get this question out of my head. Over the past couple years, we've been... What's the right word? We've been, not indoctrinated, but we've been overwhelmed with how we should think. Now, let me preface this by saying this. This is not an anti-government, rebel against Ottawa kind of message. If that's the way you think, God bless you, I pray the Holy Spirit loves you and convicts you, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? But I do want to offer some perspective in something that God's really been challenging me with, is when was the last time you took something like the law? Now, the law to the Pharisees, that was their culture. That was what they loved. They were devoted to. This represented not only uh, the law, what they lived by, but their mindset, how they thought, how they treated people, how they approached people. They, they, they were living out what they believed was right, And so when was the last time I took something that I thought was true, 
culturally, maybe politically. And I took it and I put it at the feet of Jesus and I said, Jesus, this is what the law today says. But what do you say? Are you going to say something different or are you going to agree? See, the Pharisees in this moment, they brought the, this, this, this part of the law to Jesus. And they did it to trick him. They wanted to find a way to accuse him. But little did they know that he was the walking embodiment of the law. And he can't contradict himself because he wouldn't be God. So he was able to speak into this moment and offer some perspective. But I'm just wondering, for me in my own life, I've been trying to answer this question this whole week. When was the last time I took something that I believed in, that I loved, that I was passionate about, and I took it and I put it at the feet of Jesus instead of putting it above Jesus, I put it below Jesus and I said, God, what do you think of this? What do you think of this mindset? What do you think of this practice? What do you think of this idea, this political topic? What do you think of this? And then I waited for a response. So many of us, were good at asking God questions, but we don't want to wait around. See, the Pharisees, they brought the woman caught in adultery. They laid her at his feet, and they asked the question, and then they began to walk away. They didn't like the answer. Let it be said of us as a church, as a community, that when we ask God a question, we wait around for the answer. So three points, and then I'm done on this long weekend. <laughs> uh, so you can get out and enjoy the cloudy weather. Maybe the sun will come out. Keep praying, Matt. Uh, three, question, three points. Ask the question to God. Whatever the law represents for you, ask the question. This is what the law says, Jesus, but what do you say? Ask the question. Number two, wait for the answer. Wait for the answer. You might not get it right away. It might be an hour away, it might be a month away, but wait for the answer. And number three, let God reveal himself through his word. You know what I found? That there's a lot of things in our culture today that the Bible isn't, hasn't written about. I can't go through the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. I can't go through the bylaws or the laws of the land and do cross-reference for scriptures because guess what? The Pharisees weren't around to ask all the questions back then. They didn't have our rules and regulations and laws, so they weren't able to ask. But guess what? In 2022, I can ask. I can ask what I should do. I can ask what I should live like. I can ask what I'm supposed to act like and talk like and think like. I can ask. And I can let God reveal himself through his word. There are so many scriptures that are applicable to today that you can ask God and pray to him and you can say, God, I don't understand how a Christian's supposed to respond to this. And I believe God can reveal himself through his word. I close with this. Many churches um, I've seen over the past couple of years, and as I was thinking about it this week, I, I got really upset and... Uh, not about us as a community. I'm talking about the church around the world. And I said it at the beginning of the message, but I need to circle back to it. We've been so unkind to people who have questions. 
Um, I've seen it through this country, through the country south of the border, around the world, where people have genuine questions. And for some reason, we get insecure or we think that we have something to hide. I don't know what it is. But we get upset at these questions people have. And just like me and in my meetings at work, <laughs> I don't have time for people's questions. Um, I, I fear as a, as, a, as a church around the world, we become um, turned off by people's questions about Christianity. And I think we do a great disservice to people when they ask us questions and we don't give them an answer. Or we say, why would you ask something like that? Um, or we quote the Bible back at them like they're supposed to know it. And if I can be honest, uh, this is something I've really been thinking about a lot, um, is many people, they have questions and they, they come to church and they ask. And if they don't get an answer, some of them, Maybe they didn't get the answer they wanted. That's okay with me. But if they don't get any answer or we push people away who have questions, they will go find the answer somewhere else. And we've seen a rise in social media, uh, we'll call them pastors, um, who have given people information that is contrary to God's word. And so they get these answers to questions that, aren't even accurate. They're not even correct. But don't forget, it started when they asked the question in church. It started as an innocent question. And because we were turned off by it, many of them have just decided to go find the information somewhere else. Can we just, can we be honest? If you have questions, we're not trying to hide anything. We've been reading the same book as Christians for thousands of years. It hasn't changed. We haven't added anything to it. Uh, we've got nothing to hide. If you have questions about your faith and you're like, what's a Christian supposed to do with this? Can you just lay it at the feet of Jesus? Ask the question, reach out to us as a church. I'm sure that uh, pastors, people in charge of social media, we're not trying to hide anything. Ask questions, send us a direct message, see what we think of things because it's better to, to understand where your, your doctrine is coming from than we're just some random person out in the world. Because I've learned this too, that you can find an answer to almost any question uh, anywhere on the internet. The, the earth's flat, apparently. Uh, you can find that out on the internet. Uh, there's a lot of things you can find out on the internet. And there's a lot of facts. There's video evidence. Uh, you can find anything online. Um, but you know what? When it comes to your Christianity, when it comes to living out God's word, can we take this question from John 8, verse 5? Just say this. This is what the law says, God, but what do you say? Can we ask God that question today? Can you ask him that in your own life? Can you say, open yourself up to contradiction? You know, I've heard it said this way. If, if you're not being contradicted by God's spirit, if you're not being convicted by God's spirit, you're probably not growing as a Christian. And I truly believe that. God makes us better. And that's what it's all about. Us living God's word on this earth. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you we can come to your word and we can be encouraged by your word and we can, uh, we can be inspired, but we can also be changed. We can be convicted. We can be contradicted. We can be 
we can have our minds turned upside down by the power of your word. So today, Jesus, we ask this simple question. The law says this, but what do you say? Speak to every heart. Speak to every desire. Speak to every mindset. God, be with us every day. God, this word, it's only powerful. It only makes sense if we can live it out in our daily life. So thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the questions from the Pharisees. I pray, God, that we would begin to question, God, and you would give us the answers for our soul. So God, bless every person, God, online right now watching. God, I pray, Lord, that you would go into their rooms, into their houses, bless their marriages, bless their kids, bless their relationships. God, may we want to live more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.